Hi friends, this is Will Parker. Before I jump into today's episode, I just wanted to share for just a minute some school leadership family updates. As the Principal Matters community grows, we have thousands of readers or listeners, not only around the states, but also in countries around the world. And I just wanted to say thank you for being a part of this community. Since this podcast launched in November of 2015, our total podcast episode downloads have been 280,791. So this morning I was doing some quick math. If you have a modest projected average listenership of 5,000 Principal Matters listeners and readers around the world, assume that each of them represents somewhere around 200 students. Some of you serve thousands of students and some of you serve fewer than 200, but assume that each of those represents 200 kids, then that's at least 1 million students that are being touched right now by our collective work. So thank you for being part of a growing community of leaders who care about learning, care about growing, and care about serving their students and their school communities with value. But there are others who could be learning with us. And so do you know someone who might could benefit from this podcast? If so, I would just like to ask you today to forward this to them, to share it with them, to send it to them in a quick email or text or tweet or through other social media feeds. Now, one other thing I want to share today. As I'm looking at the 2019-2020 school year, I have been working on plans to open a mastermind group. And this would be an exclusive weekly virtual meeting for school leaders who want to have one hour of focused learning and feedback and mentoring each week with me and some fellow leaders. Each member is handpicked to join this mastermind community. And you have to be willing to commit to at least one hour a week of online group meeting and one hour a week of personal development and leadership exercises. If you're interested in applying, then I would like you to reach out to me by email because I have not posted this yet on my website or launched the application portal. And you need to also know that there is a monetary commitment to be a part of this mastermind exclusive community. So if you're interested, you can email me at will at williamdparker.com. Just include the subject line mastermind with your contact information and you'll be the first to know when this option is live and available for application. Again, you can email me at will at williamdparker.com and just include the subject mastermind if you want to be a part of this exclusive community for growing your school leadership to its next level. Well, that's it. I just wanted to share some of that family business before I jump into this week's post. I hope you're doing well and thanks again for doing what matters. Principal Matters Podcast, episode 158. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast. Each week, I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, I want to talk to you about why telling your story matters. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at my website at williamdparker.com. I'm coming to you this week as a solo podcast. For the last several weeks, we've had co-host Jen Schwanke, who's an author and principal from Dublin, Ohio, sharing strategies and solutions for school leaders. And if you want to check out those previous posts, then do so at my website. But this week, I just want to share with you some reflections and thoughts that came to me from a recent movie that I watched with my wife called Yesterday. You may have seen it. It's a movie starring Hamesh Patel and Lily James. And I don't want to give away any spoilers, but I do want to say that this movie completely affected me with the nostalgia of the story and the focus of the legacy on Beatles music. In fact, 
as I was watching this movie, I couldn't help but think back to the memories of two great men whose music and lives have affected me, and you've probably never heard of either of them. One is my oldest brother, Harvey, and the second is a former teacher, colleague, friend of mine, whose name is Brooks Walton. I want to focus on both their memories for just a moment and then share some thoughts with you this week that may influence your life and leadership the way that they've been influencing mine as I've reflected. Memory number one. There's a scene in the movie where the main character, Jack Barth, is given a gift of a guitar after his was destroyed in a bus accident that almost killed him. When he opens the guitar case and he pulls out his gift, you can see in in his eyes how touched he is by this moment. And he begins to play that iconic single, Yesterday, by the Beatles. And it's a poignant moment in the movie, but it's also one that brought back a memory of my first guitar lessons. When we were boys, my oldest brother Harvey, who wore thick-rimmed glasses and loved to create art, found a guitar that had been gifted to one of our other brothers who had never used it. And Harvey began to tune this guitar without really knowing how. He began teaching himself these makeshift chords, and for the next several weeks, he taught himself how to play the guitar the wrong way. Well, one day, a friend of ours heard him playing, and he knew how to play the guitar, and so he showed him how to tune it correctly. He showed him how to chord correctly. And for the next several years, my brother wrote his own songs, and he taught us to sing and play with him, and he taught me my first guitar chords. I was taking piano lessons at the same time, and even though I was in junior high, I remember thinking that if I ever had to lose a limb, I would prefer to lose my feet to my hands because of how much I enjoy playing piano and playing guitar. In 2009, my oldest brother died of a heart attack at the age of 46. He had been diving at the lake with one of my other siblings, and as they were loading up the truck to get back in after being on the lake in the boat, he collapsed and could not be resuscitated even by emergency responders. The very next morning, I remember sitting at my mom and dad's in the the living room at the old piano and trying to pick out a melody that reminded me of the music that we had played together. I I remembered thinking of the long nights that we had together jamming with friends or sitting around the family for sing-alongs or listening to one another share songs that we had written. And it was one of those moments when... I began to cry, not because I didn't think I'd ever see him again, but because my world seemed lonelier and less spectacular because of his absence, and it it still does. That's memory number one. Here's memory number two. As I was watching the movie yesterday, I began to think also of one of my good friends, whose name is Brooks Walton. Brooks passed away shortly after his retirement when I was principal at Skytook High School. Mr. Walton was a legend among our students and in our entire community. He taught U.S. history for several years, but he also taught an elective on the 1960s that was one of the most popular classes in our school. And when he taught his students history, he lived that history for them. I can still picture him standing at his door, welcoming kids, wearing his tie-dye shirts on Fridays, introducing them to Beatles music, taking them on a field trip every year to Dallas, Texas, to tour the sixth floor, a museum located at the very corner of the place where President John F. Kennedy was assassinated because he wanted his students to feel history. And at his retirement party, I remember Mr. Walton 
who'd hired a live band, was standing in front of the entire crowd, wearing his T-shirt and his jeans, his hands in the air, leading the entire room in Hey Jude. When he passed away, our school board changed the name of the newest building in our district to the Brooks Walton Activity Center, and his funeral was one of those standing room-only events where people afterwards shared stories about the rich ways that he had influenced their lives. So as I watched yesterday, this week, I kept thinking about these two men, the important mentors that they had been in my life, how music had drawn us together, how my world and others in our world may have been disconnected in so many ways, but how we had been brought together by the beauty and the joy that these men experienced. So those are my two memories from that movie. But I want to share a third memory with you. And this just happened last week. Last week, I was in Atlanta, Georgia, for a meeting where Dr. Tim Elmore, the founder of Growing Leaders and author of several books on generational trends, was presenting. And I'll share a link to his resources in my show notes. But during his talk, Dr. Elmore shared an image of a boy having his hair cut. One of those iconic images that you can always picture of a young boy the first time that he's sitting in the barber's chair. And he asked this question. He said, is a haircut something that you can delegate to another person? Now, I never thought of that before, but the obvious answer is no. You may ask someone to schedule a haircut for you, but you have to be the one who sits and receives the haircut. And then he asked a follow-up question. What are some important areas in your life, like a haircut, that you should take responsibility for because no one else can own those for you? Let me ask that again. What are some important areas in your life, like a haircut, you should take responsibility for because no one else can own them for you. And here's some of the answers that some people in the room shared that I've been reflecting on. Number one, your attitude. No one can control your attitude like you can. When you choose your response to people and situations, you become the person who sets the temperature in the room instead of being the one reacting to the temperature set by others. And your attitude as a leader often will influence the attitudes of those around you. So number one, you can't delegate your attitude. Number two, your marriage or your most important intimate relationship. Your marriage or your important relationships can only thrive when you are present. And that means that time spent equals relationships built, a motto I love to use. You want to be the one person who your partner relies on as your soulmate, and you can't delegate that to anyone else and still have a healthy marriage. So don't delegate your marriage. Only you can be present for it. Number three, your parenting. Parenting requires intentionality. If you are a parent, that means targeting and even scheduling time with your children. It also means being emotionally present so that they trust you when they need you most. Now, there's one other response that I wanted to add to that list of things you can't delegate. And this is kind of where I want to leave us today. And that is number four, you can't delegate your story. You have been given a unique experience, a unique personality, and a unique expression that is just yours. And to hold on to that unique expression, to not share your story with others, is frankly selfish. You are the only one who can share your unique expression with others. And why is this important? Now, I want to apply this for just a moment to our work as school leaders. I think it is important even as school leaders, that we not sell ourselves short on the value that we provide for others through our unique 
expressions. In other words, your work, yes, involves processes, functions, deadlines, outcomes. That's the nature of work. But the longer that you work, the easier it is to begin believing that you're simply accomplishing tasks, checking items off your to-do list, reaching goals. And as important as those things are, your work is only meaningful when you're providing others with unique perspectives, insights, and outcomes. In other words, the way that you work is just as important as the outcomes of your work. Let me give you an example. In his book, Blink, The Power of Thinking Without Thinking by Malcolm Gladwell, Gladwell provides data on why doctors are often sued for malpractice. You would think they're sued for malpractice because they're such bad doctors, but here's actually what he's found. The overwhelming number of people who sue doctors for malpractice don't just sue them because they've received shoddy care. They actually sue them because of something else. They often sue them because they felt rushed, ignored, or treated poorly. In fact, in his research, Gladwell shows that many people refuse to file malpractice suit, even if something went wrong, if they like their doctor. In other words, people care as much about the solutions that you provide for them as they do about the attitude and attention that you provide in the process. If you doubt that, then check out that research, and I'll link to that book in my show notes. The human element that you provide in your work, the unique signature that you place on every moment that you're with someone else, is something that you cannot delegate. It matters. So let me wrap up today's conversations with these reflections. When I finished watching the movie yesterday, I was so moved by the nostalgia, by the memories of my brother and Mr. Walton that I actually had to go straight to the men's bathroom, stand in a bathroom stall, shut the door, and try to gather my emotions. And later when my wife and I were heading to the parking lot, I could actually feel myself beginning to lose control. Um, I don't share this with you because I want your sympathy. I just want to make a point here. When I finally made it to the car, I, I began crying like a baby. And it was a long time before I could even talk. And when I did, I began to explain to my wife the memories that had come back to me about my brother, about my old friend, Brooks Walton. And the reason that I want to end today's conversation here is this. Those memories that I have of them... I have because of the poignant, one-of-a-kind expressions that each of them made in my life. They both just happened to have been educators and teachers too, but it wasn't their work as, as of teaching that I admired as much as the flavor of the stories that they inspired from their own lives and in the lives of other people. They refused to delegate to others the unique expression that they had to share and maybe that's why music is such a moving part of all of our lives. Music requires you to see life from the perspective of someone else's stories. So when you serve and you lead others from your heart, not just your intellect, you are giving them a part of yourself. So this week, I just want to encourage you not to be afraid to be yourself in your relationships, in your work, in your leadership. Because when you do, when you are willing to share your story, your experience with others, when you're willing to be present, when you're willing to give others meaning in the moments, then you're creating music for those around you. Maybe music that they'll be singing for years after they've met you. So now it's your turn. What is one way this week that you can reflect on your attitude and decide a way that you can own 
your response to situations that you cannot delegate to someone else? How can you provide meaningful outcomes and meaningful experiences at the same time for those you serve? Who is someone whose story has touched your life in an important way? Can you reach out to them if they're still present and thank them? Or can you celebrate them with others as an act of gratitude? So I hope that's been helpful. This week, as you think about the rest of your summer, as you think about going into the school year, don't forget that the way you tell your story matters. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at my website at williamdparker.com. Until next time, thanks for doing what matters, and I'll talk to you soon.